Hi there, my name is Pete. This is Social Distancer. Thank you ever so much for listening. This is episode two, two, six. And in the UK, it's a beautiful day. It's a Friday as I record this. And it's the end of the half term. We've had a lovely half term. Thank you very much. And today we are going to be looking at a bad situation in the bloody England and in the Scotland and in the Wales to a certain extent, but not as bad, and in the Northern Ireland. Because the India variant is going up exponentially now and cases are rapidly um, advancing. I'll go, uh, you know, go deep into that. And bad news, man. It looks like the evidence is emerging that the India variant uh, is um, uh, the, the, the vaccines. That's what I said, wasn't it? <laughs> the vaccines are <laughs> not as efficient with the bloody India variant, which is the dominant variant now and has been for a few weeks. Um, you know, the, the, is with the other ones. So that's a right pain in the bum. And I'm going to talk about that. And it's really, you know, the, the last couple of episodes I've been talking, you know, it's important to wear your mask and all the rest of it. Thank God we were, you know. Anyway, I'll talk about that in detail. And then also we have got, uh, after the outro music, Paranormal Blip, where I talk about Fukushima and I talk about Chernobyl. And I talk about a few other things as well. Mainly it's going to be a kind of preview of the UAP report, the report from the task force, which we don't know exactly when it's going to come, but it could drop in a couple of days. And the New York Times has got their, uh, have spoken to people that have seen it. I don't know if they've got their hands on a copy, but they did a big um, story on it overnight in Britain. So that's, uh, you know, causing a bit of a storm and UFOs as I speak UFOs is the number one trending topic in the UK on Twitter which is kind of extraordinary you know the um, White House were answering questions about it the other day the spokesperson was answering questions about it the other day so it still is kind of everywhere if you like but we're going to go look at what is in that New York Times article. So anyway, that is after the outro music. So thank you very much. And, oh, I was going to say see you later, but I'm just starting the show. Have you ever seen the sunshine? No, not pork. Sunshine. I didn't say pork. I know you've seen pork. Is that sunshine? The India variant has been rena- has been renamed the <laughs> the Delta variant. Gosh, ridiculous, isn't it? Alpha, Delta, what's C? Um, don't answer that. Delta is for D, isn't it? Yeah. Did I say Alpha Delta? <coughs> for Christ's sake! Right, let's start again. The India variant has been renamed. The Delta variant, Alpha, Beta, what's C? Done that. Delta, what's E? Oh, this is really difficult, isn't it? What is it, Greek? I think so. Now, um, so anyway, the India variant is Delta variant. And for old Professor Neil Ferguson, remember him? Oh, yeah. Uh, He 
was on Radio 4 with some bad news. Here he is. The Delta variant, the Indian variant, is, is doubling across the country about every nine days with some variability place to place. But we haven't fully seen the effect of what happened May 17th, step three, the relaxation of restrictions come through into that data. So we expect that to accelerate even more. And, and given now in most areas majority variant, what that will manifest as is, is a very marked increase in how cases come through and the rate of cases coming through and the rate of increase of those. What we haven't yet been able to pin down is how that is quite going to translate into hospitalizations. We're seeing an uptick in hospitalizations in the northwest in a couple of other areas, but it's just too early to say. And, and that's critical because, I mean, we do expect vaccines to give a high level of protection still. Um, but exactly how high it's critical to what size third wave we might see. So cases are shooting up, man. And yeah, the Delta variant is the uh, prominent variant in the UK and is raising, rising exponentially um, every nine days. I mean, you know, very soon it's going to be uh, quicker than that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, because it is roughly, we're thinking about we. We are thinking. <laughs> I am reading, and other people are thinking, uh, 60% more transmissible. And so, you know, it follows that. See, the, the way to look at this is that the um, even though 58% or so of people down my neck of the woods is uh, in, in Devon, um, have been, like, people over the age of 18, right, adults, have been vaccinated twice. That sounds good, doesn't it, 58%. But if you take the proportion of, on the whole of England, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland, um, it's round about 40% of the entire population, including children, okay, that haven't been vaccinated at all. And then you've got roughly 20% in England, at least, 20%, and it is similar in Scotland, Northern Ireland, um, of people who have been vaccinated twice, and 40% uh, of people who have been vaccinated um, once. So the, the proportions are slightly different in Wales because they've uh, vaccinated more people um, once than twice if you see what I mean, in Wales. So, but roughly, as a kind of UK, um, you know, rough estimate, it's 40% of the entire population, including children who haven't been vaccinated. And the MIHCR, whatever they're called, the people, like, you know, the kind of regulators, have today said that vaccine, the Pfizer vaccine, uh, can be given to 12 to 15-year-olds. And when you've got a tasty new variant in the town, um, you know, the, the whole point of COVID-19 is that it seeks out the people that aren't vaccinated, you know? And this thing as well, the, the Delta variant, if you've had one vaccination, the latest data shows that you're protected roughly by um, like 33% better 
um, by having the having the one vaccine, right? So it's only, you know, it's not much really, is it? In the big scheme of things, you know, it's great, but like you're kind of like a third better off by having the vaccine with one dose. It goes up to, they think, 80%, very slightly based on what uh, one you've had, you know, but, but roughly 80%. Um, protection with the two doses after two weeks after the two doses from the um, the Delta variant. But if you think about it, like you know, for Christ's sake, with the other variant, it was like something like ninety-two percent or whatever, wasn't it? So, you know, you still have to be. It's really, you know, I was talking about being cautious, and it really does matter now that you have to wear a mask, you have to open your windows if you're inside, you have to be totally certain that the people that you're hanging out with have been vaccinated and you know if you, they haven't been vaccinated then you know it's worth asking yourself well is it worth hanging out with them like inside if you're outside things are different and they have always been different you know um, but if you're inside if you're in shops then just in and out and wear a good mask because the quality of the mask matters and you know this if you're a long-term listener you know bloody talked for hours about the quality of masks you know but this it really does matter when there's a new variant in town and it's doubling every nine days do you know what i mean so and of course with 40 percent of the people that have not been vaccinated at all you are going to get a proportion of those people who are going to be hospitalized but you're also going to get a massive number of people hospitalized who have only been vaccinated once and with 80% protection for vaccination twice, you know what I'm going to say, even if you have been vaccinated twice, there is still a risk of being hospitalised. And of course, if you're hospitalised with um, COVID-19, the guys in the hospitals know an awful lot more, but the chances are you're going to be pretty vulnerable state, so you could well die. So wearing the fucking mask is what it comes down to. And it is slightly kind of, you know, weird to get this news right at the end of the uh, the week. Public Health England came out with a report that I'm going to talk to you about a little bit. Uh, in a, well, I'll do it now, actually. <laughs> um, they said that you're two and a half times more likely to be hospitalised with the Delta variant than the other, the Kent variant, which used to be the dominant variant in the UK. So, you know, two and a half times more likely is doesn't sound good to me. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, now is the time to be uh, sober and now is the time to be um, considerate of like all of the things that we kind of wanted to, and me more than, you know, most, you know. I was went shopping the other day with my son and, you know, now look back on it thinking, well, maybe I was in that shop for a bit longer than I should have been because they didn't have the windows open. And I only noticed that they didn't have the windows open, like way into the shopping experience, you know. And in fact, when I the shopping experience, being in the shop. <laughs> but, you know, it was so unusual and such a joy, to be frank, to be in a toy shop with my son, you know. And it says something about the kind of how um, uh, relaxed I am in terms of... I did have a good mask on. Like Obviously, you've got to have a mask if you're in the shop. And my mask is a bloody good one. You know, and I didn't talk to anyone. You know what I mean? So, you know, I don't think, looking back, that I got COVID-19. But at the same time, when you kind of, like, look back, at, you know, hearing the news that 
you know, is actually, you know, a dominant variant that is highly transmissible and it sends you to hospital more than the other bloody variant, you do, of course, look back on your actions and think, oh, Jesus Christ, like, did I kind of get away with it, if you like, you know, because it is a tourist town that I was in and everyone's in the bloody southwest from the whole of the country at the moment you know everyone's in Devon and Cornwall so who knows who was in that shop it wasn't particularly busy when I was there and I didn't talk to anyone and I obviously didn't you know kind of go close to anyone or whatever any of the other customers or whatever you know it's just me and my son pootling around this little toy shop but you look back on those experiences and you think maybe I you know should have left earlier and maybe I should have when I... But the thing is that I was so kind of relaxed and having a nice time, I didn't do what I have done in the past when I've been in buildings and immediately clocked the uh, ventilation and kind of like been, you know, kind of like uh, appropriately acted, you know, based on that. I didn't even notice, you know. So, you know, you can relax too much is what I'm saying. So this is a kind of like a COVID special, isn't it? It's a bit of a funny thing to say for a COVID, prominently COVID-related podcast, but it is a COVID special, isn't it? And speaking of COVID, the ONS released a study um, today looking at swabs, uh, randomly selected households, and they uh, they they send out. Uh, you know, tests to, you know, thousands of, tens of thousands of households every week, totally randomly selected. I know two people, my brother did it, you remember? You read a letter out, didn't I? I mean, yes. And also a friend of mine at work also did it, so and also somebody that she knows as well done it, so you know, I know three people that have done this thing. That's good, isn't it? Yeah. And anyway, so randomly selected, and last week, um, the ONS estimated um, 48,500 people in the UK had had COVID-19, or one in 1,120, but it's gone up in the last week by 75%. Now, they reckon 85,600 people have got bloody thing oh this isn't even in the uk this is only in england christ almighty so that is around one in 640 people so it's shot up and also fucking ridiculously it's gone up in the southwest as well because all the fucking tourists which is nice to you know i like tourists and often i am a tourist but don't bring your fucking covid to the southwest for christ's sake and the other big thing as well is that the ONS um, released quite a lot of information on long COVID. 375,000 people um, have uh, kind of took part in an ONS study where they basically say, yes, we've got long COVID. And based on that huge, you know, kind of study, 375,000 people, they estimate that 1 million people in the UK have got long COVID, um, which is kind of shocking if you think about it, you know. A million people with long COVID. So I know people who've got long COVID. And 
there's a good proportion of these guys, not my, well, actually, you could argue that uh, the people I know have been kind of massively affected by it in some ways, um, but a good proportion of it, you know, it's a kind of day-to-day, their day-to-day lives uh, have changed, have got worse because of long COVID. So, you know, this is another reason why we need to get on top of this Delta variant. And I can't, you know, when you think about all of these things, when you think, obviously, the R value is up, you know, and I was talking about the triangulation uh, relationship a couple of weeks ago in relation to cases R and uh, hospitalization, yeah? Now, that's totally different if you are dealing with a variant which sends you to the fucking hospital. Do you know what I mean? Because if you're hospitalized, there's a good chance that the uh, weakest and the most vulnerable and the sickest and the oldest often are going to die. You know, there's no question about that. Obviously, if you go to hospital with COVID-19, now we're not in, you know, the first wave. We're not in the first peak. We've learned a lot in terms of how to treat COVID-19 in hospitals. But it goes without saying that, of course, you know, if it gets that bad that you've got to go to the hospital with COVID-19, then those are the guys that are going to be dying from the bloody thing, you know? And we already know that, uh, you know, it is possible to die from it if you've been vaccinated twice. So it just comes back to this thing of being cautious and, and careful and what's that Japanese three C's? I can't remember that, but that was good, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't cautious and careful. It was actual, you know, kind of good advice. <laughs> um, yeah, so, but really, you know, hopefully um, the India variant or the uh, Delta is going to be, you know, beaten or somehow. But the thing is, we're just again now the, the fear is now that we're just at the beginning of something that is going to get worse. You know, the moment is doubling every nine days. What is it going to be uh, this time next week? Yeah. And I'm back in school. I don't mind being back in school. I love being back in school. But I do need to be careful when I'm with the students in the room because it's difficult for me to do my job and um, social distance from them. In fact, I can't do that, you know. Now, my school is good, as you know. But, uh, you know, it's kind of on all of us to take care of ourselves and kind of mitigate as much as possible, whether you've had zero bloody jabs, one jab or two jabs. In a way, everything changes now that Delta's in town. Episode 226... Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend if it is the weekend. And we're going to think of the turtle because my son, who is learning Makaton, kind of ad hoc a little bit, uh, keeps asking, is this a sign for turtle? Is this a sign for turtle? And he does what looks very much like a turtle with his two uh, hands, one hand upon the other, kind of, you know, um, waddling around. It's kind of incredible. It's more turtle-like than an actual bloody turtle. Anyway, we're going to think of a turtle. One, two, three. Walk between the raindrops. Wear a mask. It's really important. Wash your hands. That's really important. Don't let any bastard breathe on you is the main thing. And if you're going in shops, open the windows if they're not opening them yourself. Or just bloody leave. Bye-bye. Right,
That music can only mean that this is now Paranormal Blip. And the big story this week is an article from the New York Times that is previewing the UAP Task Force report that is due sometime in June. It looks like uh, it will come out in June. It's been described by Louis Alessandro as um, 16 or 17 pages and he's downplaying it. He's, um, you know, it's not going to be any major relevation, relevations, is that the word? No, renovations in it. Um, So the New York Times article basically says uh, they've more or less ruled out that it's not advanced US uh, tech and they're saying they don't know what it is basically they don't know if it's um, you know adversaries uh, whether it's Russia or China for instance or whether it is something else so essentially the report conclusion is that they just don't know what it is that they're dealing with but they do know that it isn't US tech which is in itself quite a big thing because you can assume um, you know knowing that we what we know about the way that you know kind of intelligence works in this day and age you've got a pretty good idea that uh, you know your adversaries on the world stage are not going to be a hundred years ahead of you in technology <laughs> like you know so I know it's difficult for people in the Pentagon to kind of, you know, wrap their fucking head around it. But we're obviously not talking about Russia um, technology here or China technology here. We are talking about something which is far more advanced. And one of the... So that's the New York Times, right? So we'll see what happens in that report when it comes out. But, you know, everyone that kind of knows anything about it is suggesting that it won't be a kind of major... Um, revelation. But one of the more interesting speculations uh, going around is that they are ultra-terrestrials. So not extraterrestrials, not outside of the planet, but ultra-terrestrials inside the planet. In fact, um, you know, uh, humans as we know them and love them to be, Humans have only been around for about 200,000 years and, you know, civilization, as we um, call it, has been around for 6,000 years. And the Industrial Revolution um, started 200 years ago. So, you know, we are new. That's the kind of first thing I said on Paranormal Blip. And we are so new and we are so young The dinosaurs were around for 175 million years. And we're on our way to, well, we're a fifth of the way to our first million years as being, uh, you know, kind of existing as humans, right? So we've got a long way to go for crying out loud. My maths is terrible. What's 175 times... um, (laughs) 
times five, whatever that is, that's the amount of time the dinosaurs were around longer than we've been around. So it's bloody massive number, isn't it? 175 times five. Oh, yeah. Um, is that right? I don't know. That sounds totally wrong to me, actually. Probably isn't, right? But anyway, we're 200,000 years and they are 175 million years. So anyway, ultra-terrestrials, the idea is that there is another species that have been around and like living on this planet, probably under the bloody sea, because the sea, as you all know, is kind of massively not explored, you know? Uh, we know more about the surface of the moon than we do about the um, oceans, the kind of bottom of the oceans. I said bottom... And, um, you know, so the idea of the ultra-terrestrials is that they are under the sea, under the sea. And, you know, that's interesting, isn't it? And they've been there for quite a long time, developing their uh, systems. And, of course, another idea is that there are various, um, well, what could you call them, portals, I suppose. It's a very incredible story that comes out of... A skinwalker ranch whereby um, the guy that used to own skinwalker ranch uh, he was kind of looking at uh, this thing that opened up in the sky just this hole opened up in the sky and um, incredibly he kind of looked at it through this telescope or something some kind of like magnifying system and incredibly on the other side, like he could see clearly in the hole, um, it was kind of night where he was, but through the hole there was another sky, and it was uh, daylight through the hole. Isn't that amazing? Like in this other world, and a bloody UFO flied from one place to the other. Isn't that incredible? Oh yeah, flied into this world, if you like, or onto, you know, the Skinwalker Ranch. Um, you know, land <clears throat> like, you know, like flying into the kind of, whatever, like the airspace as it were, skinwalker arch yeah, so, you know, the idea that there's portals and the idea that I need to do some more research into, but um, I've been finding out this week about uh, mystical mountains dotted around the world and the idea that uh, UFOs somehow kind of transport themselves through the mountains I, I haven't quite looked into that in any details but anyway there's there's various kind of you know bits and bobs of speculation but the interesting thing going back to the report is that the report are saying yeah like you know for, for all, all of this stuff we are saying that it is not our technology so it's something else now you would imagine that both of those options, are, if they've really ruled out the option of, you know, not US technology, then you've got a real, and you can kind of, I mean, you know, if you know about any of these cases, like, you've kind of ruled that out anyway, you know. And Lou Alexander this week was speaking about um, how UFOs were in Fukushima in uh, Japan and Chernobyl in the Ukraine. And apparently they were essentially kind of mitigating the disaster of those two nuclear meltdowns, which is quite extraordinary. And there's incredible footage 
of UFOs above Fukushima, and it's not the only time UFOs have been uh, seen over the Fukushima power plant numerous times, and it's incredible footage on YouTube of this. Really incredible. I mean, the one I just watched a minute ago is bloody mind blowing, man. I mean, it's like clearly not drones or any, you know, weather balloons or anything. Like, it's ridiculous. And the other thing as well, like the obvious thing about the US, you know, the Pentagon saying, oh, well, it might be Russia or China, is there are, you know, hundreds of cases in Russia, hundreds of cases in China. I mean, this is a global phenomenon that's been going on for hundreds of years, you know? It seems to have picked up quite a bit since we did the old, you know, in World War II fighting with the Foo Fighters. But it's only a kind of lack of, um, uh, you know, kind of courage, essentially, from the people that see it and, like, this kind of sense they're just going to be mocked that means that people aren't reporting them all the bloody time, basically, you know. So, anyway, that's uh, the thing about that. And here is Jeremy Corbell. Why are there no pictures? So Neil deGrasse Tyson went on Twitter saying... Is this your best evidence? You know, some kind of UFO, grainy selfie. He's relating it to, like, Instagram. Oh, shit. Did I get <laughs> fucking calls from pilots, uh, kilo, fighter jet pilots, military individuals. I just got bombarded. The fuck is Neil deGrasse Tyson correlating some kind of cell phone selfie on Instagram to our military apparatus design. Does he not know what he's looking at in the yeah. technology? Is he is an astrophysicist? He should be curious. This is something that he should step down off of any egotistical human nature and say we have an unexplained thing with a shitload of data now. And I'm gonna frivolously as as a spokesperson for the scientific community ignore the yeah. available data. People were fucking pissed and, and actually I I agree with them. People need to uh, pay attention in the scientific field or you're going to be left in the fucking dust. After what's going on now and him to still have that stance makes zero sense to me. <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson, you are living in a data-rich UFO environment. It is hubris if you decide not to look at the complete evidence. I would make it a point, being a leader in the scientific community, to engage the current information and data and try to understand it because this is one of the most exciting times in our history where technology and our understanding of the UFO phenomenon are converging. So I ask you, Neil deGrasse Tyson, to look at this with sincerity or you are then eliminating data from your entire worldview and that's, that's a shame because we need you, buddy. Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, being called out there by Jeremy Corbell because he's not really looking at the data and, you know, he's getting his own uh, kind of, you know, closed-minded way of looking at the world in the way a little bit, which isn't a good idea if you're a scientist, is it? No. So come on then, uh, Neil. Neil. <laughs> um, especially in light of um, Ryan Graves, who was on 60 Minutes. He's the one that saw the gimbal uh, UAP and he kind of captured it on his FLIR device, on his um, fighter pilot um, machine, his flying machine, fighter jet. And he said that this, he's the guy that said he saw them 
every day for two years, not just him, but you know all the people that he was working with, too. And um, you know, they, they started noticing them when they updated their radar. So they got this new radar system in the planes, and that was when it was in 2015. That was when they started to notice these things on the radar. And then they started to kind of see them in real life, you know, like in front of them. So it's kind of extraordinary, you know, absolutely extraordinary that so many people in the science community just aren't taking this seriously. I wonder with this report coming out, even if it only says, yeah, it is not US technology. I wonder if that will uh, kind of get more people in the military um, saying, okay, yeah, I saw something, I'm involved, I'm involved. Because, you know, the cases that we know where, you know, there's a couple of, you know, courageous people because their lives are turned upside down, you know, obviously. They become kind of, you know, celebrities in this kind of weird world, you know, UFO world. Um, and also, obviously, lots of people just think that they're insane, you know. So David Fravor and, you know, Alex... Um, Dietrich and Ryan Graves and uh, Sean Cahill, you know, these are some of the kind of more prominent people that used to be in the US military who, are, and some of them are still um, involved, I think, and kind of like, you know, consultants and that kind of thing, um, you know, who are kind of brave enough and obviously kind of spearheaded by Lou Elizondo, who are kind of saying, well, you know, it's time to blow the whistle, you know. But hopefully, with this new report, we'll get a few more people saying, yeah, it's definitely worth me, you know, just kind of, you know, having the cojones to go out there and say, yeah, I was kind of part of it and I saw it, you know. And it would be really, really excellent if a couple of um, scientists... I mean, this the whole thing is like, we're just at the beginning. I mean, talk about at the beginning as a species. We're just at the beginning of scratching the surface of this thing, you know? We know enough to know that there's a kind of interest in water, there's an interest in uh, nuclear power, and there's an interest in um, kind of military, you know, like um, technology. Um, but there's so much that we don't know, you know, obviously there's so much that we don't know. Anyway, see you later.